Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast with me Hannah and we are the second episode of season two and this is going to be a solo episode and we'll get into that in just a minute but welcome back hope you've had a great week I've had a good week I've been back in the gym back at my 5 a.m's I've been sticking with my clean eating and mostly feeling very good for it I am feeling a bit tired because my sleep again as a typical Christmas is suffering slightly from the early starts and not adjusting my sleep to going to bed early so that going forward is my my main thing to work on because if you're like me when you're tired and you have that brain fog it's very hard to be productive or to be engaged and you just don't feel right when you're tired so that is definitely something that I'm going to be working on going forward but what I wanted to just mention briefly is something quite fun that I did this weekend I went to a shoemay workshop now, I don't know if you've heard of Shumei before, but it's a Japanese, I don't know what the term is, it's not a religion, it's, I guess, more a, a movement or a philosophy. And so Shumei means supreme excellence and light brightness. And basically, it's all about happiness, peace, connection, that kind of thing. And there are three things that come under Shumei. The first one is Jore, which is a spiritual healing that I'll come back to in a moment. There is natural agriculture, and so they believe that the, the soil has everything that it needs. And so when we're putting on fertilizers, even manure or chemicals, that basically we're introducing toxins and things that, that plants don't need. And so they actually talk to their plants and talk to the soil, and, and it's all about connection and that kind of thing. And they have a farm, which we got to look around after we'd sort of talked about what Shumei is. And they showed us this, it's been 10 years that that farm, that natural agricultural farm has been running. And they took soil samples when they arrived and then after five years, 10 years. And you can see that the quality of the soil is increasing and the nutrients um, and the microbial content is increasing. So obviously something <laughs> that they're doing is working and rejuvenating the, the soil. Um, so that was really cool to look around. And then the third thing that they do, or the third principle that they have, is about appreciation of art and beauty. It's this idea that music, art, literature, natural scenery, architecture, they can all move us. They can move our heart, move our mind. We can feel peaceful. We can feel happy. Um, and I'm sure whichever medium appeals to you, whether it's a film that really moves you or a piece of music or a certain place that calms you, I think we can all see that reflected in our life and in our experiences, how art and beauty has that power to move us. I'm going to come back to those two. I'm going to sort of chop and change around a bit <laughs> and talk a little bit about the jewelry, which is a type of spiritual healing. And it is about light or energy purifying the spirit and so they believe that the the soul kind of gets clouded by toxins from the environment pollution negativity in yourself or things from your ancestors 
and that can then manifest as illness in, in the physical body but yeah that, that there's this clouding the soul and that through a giver so almost like channeling light or energy they can can clear that and it is literally a 10 minute thing i know some types of healing are much longer but it's a, it's a 10 minute healing five minutes to sort of purify the soul and five minutes for the physical and as it's non-religious there is this idea that the the light or the energy isn't coming from them but it's coming from beyond them so it could be your god if you have an understanding of a god or the universal however you want to interpret it but it comes from that source and they're just channeling it if you like and i've i've not tried a huge amount of healing type things i have tried reiki before and to be perfectly honest i didn't really feel that much when when i had reiki but with this i definitely feel something i feel warmth i i feel like i can see a light around my head or my, my third eye um, and i feel peaceful and calm and wherever that's coming from to me that's the the test i can feel an effect from it yeah so i, I just wanted to share it as a new interesting thing that i'd come across i went to a wellness event and i had a, a quick five minute healing and then this was a workshop to find out more and i just wanted to share it as something that you might be interested in finding out more about perhaps you are feeling clogged up or in need of some type of healing and it's something that could help you but i think even if that's something that you're wary of or doesn't appeal to you i think the other principles of natural agriculture and the appreciation of art and beauty are things that we can all take something from i think it is really important to think about the food that we're putting in our body and where it comes from how it's been processed or made and within shoemate there is that appreciation or that gratitude to to the earth to the people that have farmed it and provided it and i think sometimes we can get a bit disconnected from our food and not appreciate the effort that's gone into it or not thinking about it being natural um, and I'm very guilty <laughs> of that, but it's something I'm trying to to think about more. And I think the appreciation of art and beauty, because sometimes if we're so wrapped up in our heads, which I'm very guilty of, or we're really stressed and we have lots going on, we can find it very difficult to stop and appreciate what is around us. And I think if we can pause, take a breath, and be connected to the senses, to what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, and to appreciate the beauty in those things and to feel it, to feel it in your heart, to feel it in your mind. I just think that's a really useful reminder, isn't it? To stop and appreciate what is around us. So they were, I guess, my top takeaways to think about what you're putting in your body, to think about what is around you and appreciate the beauty and to have gratitude for, for your food or, what, or what's around you. And if you're interested in spiritual healing, possibly check out Shumei. Uh, if you're wanting to have a little search, find out more, there are some videos on YouTube about the philosophy. And Shumei is S-H-U-M-E-I. And I found it really interesting. I felt something. And I am a bit of a skeptic, as you know. So I just wanted to share that and share those takeaway tips because I left feeling very peaceful, very calm, very connected. 
And that's a great feeling to take into a new week, I think. So at the end of last season, we talked about setting intentions for 2020. And you may have set some, you may steer clear of resolutions. I think that's a completely individual thing. And this year I've consciously chosen intentions rather than resolutions. So I suppose I'm building in some leeway that if they're not achieved, I don't feel so guilty about it or beat myself up about it so much. They're just things that I'm intending to do or I'm working towards. And there is that flexibility inherent in there that I might achieve them, I might not. I might change what I want to achieve. And that's my prerogative. Um, So start of a new year, January, it's quite often that time where we we do start to think about what we want to achieve and new decade it's yeah it can be quite a big time of reflection even if you are not consciously setting resolutions and our last week's episode with cam we talked quite a bit about mind mayhem and about if you have something you're trying to achieve ways that you can help to ensure that success the way that you can tackle some of those mind blocks that you have. Um, And we talked about habits and consistency that's required to form habits. And today I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and about this idea of habits, but also about change more generally. And I'll get to that a bit later and it's inspired by a question I've seen on social media this week. So it's gonna be a bit of a response to that. But first of all, I want to talk a bit about habits. So I read a book last year. It's called The Power of Habits, Why We Do What We Do and How to Change by Charles Duhigg. I hope that's pronounced correctly. And it was a a really interesting book about our habits, about how they're formed and, like it says, about ways that we can change them. And I think what I really liked about it was it gave lots of examples from organisations, from individuals, and how they had embedded habits in people or changed habits. So, for example, um, what I found really interesting was toothpaste. Most of us, I imagine, have a habit of brushing our teeth morning and evening, maybe other times, I don't know, uh, and we use toothpaste. And if you think about the experience of brushing your teeth and what you expect from your toothpaste we we have an association of what it's going to taste like what it's going to feel like and actually um he talks about pepsodent and when they made their product they basically added this minty fresh feel that you get after you brush your teeth which hadn't existed before but people then started to associate it with their mouth feeling clean And they liked that feeling and that, I guess, craving for that feeling then helped embed this habit, but also our expectations around what it's like. So now, basically, all toothpaste have that kind of minty feel and that's how we know it's working. But it doesn't actually have anything to do with it working. It's just something that's been added and it gives us that psychological boost or confirmation that this is doing something, I can feel it even though that's nothing to do with it. But that craving then helps to feed that habit and that habit of the certain product that we use. And so there are other examples 
through about that, which are really, really interesting. But I wanted to talk a little bit about something that he discusses called Keystone Habits. So he talks about Paul O'Neill, who takes over at a company called Alcoa. And he wants to change the direction that the company is going in. But in order for him to transform this company, he had to really be creative about the way he worked with people because you can't go into an organization and tell people that they have to change. Because if you've ever been in a situation like that at work where someone's told you you have to change or in your life and someone said you have to change, you have to do it a different way. And automatically we get defensive, we get protective. Uh, you might have that feeling of who are they coming in telling us how to do our jobs? We know how it is here, etc., etc. So he had to come up with a different way of disrupting habits around something so that that would then spread and it would happen, I guess, more holistically or more naturally than being ordered to change. And it would really embed. So O'Neill believed that some habits have the power to start a chain reaction, therefore changing other habits as they move through the organisation. And his big change was about safety, because for their business, safety was costing them a lot of money, a lot of injury, etc. And so he changed the culture, basically, to one that valued safety, but through quite a subtle way. And then because they had this new culture, if you like, this new cultural identity that then shaped other behaviours without them having to be told to them that this is what we're going to do. It was more of promoting a certain culture. Some habits basically matter more than others. And those are referred to as keystone habits. They can influence how we work, eat, play, live, spend and communicate. And so they are like the linchpin. They start something and then that transforms everything. In an organisation, it would be then identifying these keystone habits to tackle those and then seeing that change spread. And it doesn't really matter what that, that habit is. The habits that matter most are the ones when they shift, start to remake other patterns. So by tackling those habits, they then have that knock-on effect. So keystone habits. If we think about our New Year topic, our New Year resolution, and I don't like to just stay on the, the stereotypical fitness and health one, but I think it is quite an easy one to talk to talk about because I think a lot of people have an understanding of what it means and have possibly at some point in their life felt like they wanted to be healthier obviously my big thing is about mental well-being so it could be about that and I'll definitely touch on that as well but if you have got a goal of being healthier what are the keystone habits that could help you to start to make that big transformation what are the ones that you can tackle that are going to have a knock-on effect so for anil the one that that he did was about safety so it, the way that he did that rather than saying you know we're going to be completely safe etc it was just that we have no injuries their goal was zero injuries and you know aiming high that's that's a big a big goal but if that is the goal then everyone is is working towards it and things like morale productivity are going to be improved because it's a safe environment to work in and 
people are going to value that. And if that's the culture that's being embedded, the people that are going to get promoted and rewarded are going to be those ones that are really living that ethos. And so then that's led to some shifts in the way people work, their patterns, that kind of thing. So key stone habits for your daily life. So these are going to be big things that are going to lead to wider changes. For me personally, my, you know, if I think back to just over a year ago, I wasn't very active, I wasn't exercising, and I had stiffness and aching and and that kind of thing. My diet wasn't great. I wasn't looking after my mental well-being. None of that. (laughs) And uh, I'm not perfect in any of those arenas now. But the the big one that I tackle first, so the keystone habit for me was exercise. And I've spoken about this before, but the reason that I went with that one is I was doing a lot of research into things that boost mood and things that can help alleviate depression or help with managing it in a non-medication way. And obviously, severe depression is a is a different thing. And I was experiencing, um, I guess, a long-term chronic low mood, um, dysthemia maybe, uh, rather than a severe depressive episode. So that would be quite different for, for how to approach it. But I was in a well enough headspace to be able to implement some changes and I definitely have the desire to want to make changes because, as I've, as I've said before, I'd realized that for quite a long period of time, I had thought it was OK, but I wasn't really OK and that I didn't want to continue the, in, the, in the same way. So as I often do, as I'm sure we all do, I had a little uh, look on Google of things that can help with depression and mood boost and if you've ever looked up the same thing the same things come up eating a healthy varied diet getting enough sleep being present connection and exercise and for me the one of those that was the the kind of easiest one to tackle and so yes the keystone habit and the one that I now know has you know it has had a wider effect and has spread was the exercise because I have previously exercised and been active and had things I enjoyed and I was drawn to try and crossfit from what I'd seen about that and luckily that is something that really worked for me uh, and that's key it's something we talked about last week is if you are going to implement an exercise routine or being active find something that you love because it's going to be much easier to stick to it if you're doing it because you enjoy it rather than you have to for whatever reason. So exercise, it was partly about trying to get physically healthier, but especially about mentally healthier. And my reasoning was actually if I could just get, you know, get to the gym and do the workouts and hopefully there would be benefits from that. When I'm in a low mood, I tend to shut myself away from people. So trying to bring in more connection in my life didn't really feel like something that was achievable at that time. And I'm a comfort eater. So trying to break that and have very healthy balanced diet is quite tricky or had been quite tricky. And I would eat 
some of you know the healthy foods things like turkey bananas salmon fish nuts things that have lots of nutrients that can be really good for mood I was doing those things but not consistently and they didn't feel like ones that I could successfully tackle at the time and as I've said before my sleep is not the best I am a light sleeper I'm restless I take a while to settle um, I've become a morning person with the gym but I have not let go of my night owl ways so quite often up quite late so usually I'm on about five or six hours sleep a little bit of a catch up at the weekend but often quite tired so looking at this list of things that can help for mood food was out for the starting one connection was out for the starting one sleep was out so exercise felt like the one to tackle if we kind of flash forward to today I go five days a week to CrossFit at 6am in the morning and I find actually I'm much more productive once I've been to the gym now I will have occasional days where if I'm really tired then I will just say I'm not coming in the next day to catch up on sleep but when I started going it was three days a week I'm up to five and I love it as, as part of my routine it it meets that kind of physical requirement but also that mental requirement that I was looking for so that's embedded and then from that I have more connection because the good thing about CrossFit that that also is very helpful much to me and I'm not trying to convert people to CrossFit absolutely find something that you love but for me it works because I have to go when I say I'm going I don't have to do the thinking about what I'm going to do the coach tells me what to do but I usually work out the same group of people so there is that inbuilt connection and we started as people who worked out together and then at the Christmas party some of us got together and went together we're doing a bit of a challenge at the moment which is very clean eating but after that I think we'll go out for a meal and some people are coming to my wedding so definitely that connection has built up and that was another one of the things that helps with mood I've not consistently but I have participated in some challenges that they run throughout the year which have a real focus on clean eating setting goals that kind of thing and lifestyle changes and currently doing one at the moment which finishes the end of this week I believe so and whereas previously I've done it and then I've relaxed it and gone a little bit mad afterwards this time I'm really feeling like I want to stick with it most of the time relax a little bit occasionally have some wine or some cheese or some chocolate but most of the time I'm going to eat this well this way which is essentially paleo and it just my, my body likes it I feel really good eating this way and it's taken a while to get to this point to really be prepared to make that long-term commitment then that long-term change and my sleep is still a work in progress but hopefully this kind of demonstrates that I had some options of habits so if I look at my idea of being a healthy person and what that looks like I want to be fueling my body with the right stuff I want to be active I want to sleep well I want to be connected to people I want to be present I, I want to be maybe creative I want to have fun laugh all of that kind of stuff 
So I sort of set out my my vision for what I wanted to achieve and then identify the habits that weren't working for me. So the really late nights, the comfort eating, the not being active and then identify what the options were for improving those areas. So for that ideal, I wanted to eat nutritious, healthy food, but more balanced, not comfort eating, but more intentional eating and being active and so on. And then I identified the one that was going to be easiest for me to achieve. That I felt, I guess, was that keystone habit that would actually then lead to wider change. And it has. And for you, if, if this is the same goal that you have, it might be a different a different keystone habit for you maybe looking at nutrition first might be the way forward or you might be so tired and overwhelmed that you really need to work on the sleep piece before you can look at other changes to really get the energy but I think quite often we fall into trying to follow these prescriptive steps and these prescriptive processes don't we if this is what it means to be healthy and this is how you do it but I think, you know, this idea about habit change and keystone habits for me is, is really thinking about, for me, what makes sense. For me, what can I change that is going to be easier to change, that I'm motivated to change? Because that is so important. That's why I was sort of saying about picking exercise that, that matters to you, actually making changes that you really want to make, that you believe in. And that doesn't mean that there won't be times that it's difficult to stick to new habits and new patterns of behavior it doesn't mean that sometimes you make choices that completely go against that ideal but if you don't have that internal motivation or desire to achieve whatever it is you're working towards or whatever the new habit is then it's going to be really difficult to do it external motivation so from praise from other people or rewards or validation from whoever, your partner, family, whatever, is not as motivational and effective in those changes as intrinsic. So something that comes from inside you. And I think that comes from that real desiring the change and actually being true to yourself. And that involves checking in with yourself and actually being honest with yourself about what you want to achieve and it might be that for ages you've had an idea that I don't know maybe you wanted to take up swimming and actually when you examine it you realize actually you don't really want to it's just because you feel like you should or you feel like it would be a good type of exercise or maybe your friend does it and you think it would be good and actually when you examine it you realize that it's not your desire and it's not really for you so I think that honesty and and looking at things from an honest perspective and trying to be true to yourself is then going to be much more effective for thinking about your goals and thinking about the ideals. And something that has really helped me is to think about the ideal goal. So what my ideal life would look like day to day. And, and then, you know, how do I get from where I am to there? Well, if in my ideal life I get up early and go to the gym, then I need to start doing that now because we're waiting for the perfect time to start changes. That time is not going to come. 
there's never going to be a perfect time when everything's lined up and everything is in place. And suddenly now, now I'm living my dream life. You have to add in those bits that you can as you're working towards it. And then I guess one day, I'm not there yet, but maybe one day you'll wake up and realize that you're in it, that you're, that you're living it. And obviously it might change as you try things and you realize they're not for you. But I think that being present and checking in with yourself is really important and being honest. So keystone habits, figure out for you the easy win, if you like, or the easy, maybe not easy, that might be the wrong word, easiest or most appropriate place for you to start making changes, making habit changes. And they do take time to change. So think about what we've said about that motivation and and what you're picking. But maybe have a think for yourself of what you can start working on to make changes. So hopefully that is helpful on habits. And I just want to finish by talking about changes. And this is a question that I saw on social media that someone had been making massive changes and for them, weight loss was their target and they had lost a a good amount of weight and they were doing exercises that they had never been able to do before. And then someone in their family had then said, you're not doing that right. And been very critical and hadn't appreciated the, the journey that they'd been on and they so they had a question about that and this may be something that you've experienced before where you are making changes and you are positive and you are enthused about it and you want the people around you to be supportive of that and then sometimes people might say something or do something and and it just yeah you just feel not supported like why aren't they happy for me why aren't they supporting me where, where is that coming from and change is difficult change can be scary not changing can be scary the new possibilities can be scary and something I am um, I spoke about yesterday in an interview that I've recorded which won't actually come out till next week um, but we talk about pigeonholing people in boxes if you think about the people that you know we we do have our own image of them of what we expect from them what we think they're like and if you're making changes, you're disrupting someone else's image of you. And that can be unsettling because if you think about it, it's upsetting our sort of worldview and our understanding of the people around us. So even if we're not changing and someone else is, it can still unsettle us because we have to change then our perception of the person because they're developing, they're growing, they're changing how they are, who they are, what they do. So that can be unsettling in itself but your changes if you're making positive life changes and someone else is being quite negative one it could be that they are deliberately doing it to sabotage you possibly because they want to keep you in that pigeonhole in that box that they've got you in but quite often they may be not aware of what they're doing and the effect it's having so if someone is changing and, and that feels threatening to us, we can unconsciously, so outside of our awareness, we can have these defences. And it could be that these things are coming out, that they are almost sabotaging because it's threatening that you're changing because maybe it's 
holding a mirror up to them and it's it's showing them that they need to make changes in that area and that's difficult that's scary so unconsciously it's a defense to protect them from that need to examine themselves and think about the changes that really they want to make or feel that they should but they're just not ready to maybe so that could be why you might feel that people are being malicious are being mean and and not encouraging and even maybe trying to bring you down it could be deliberate or it could be that it's this defense mechanism from their ego just trying to protect itself because they're not ready to change and I I guess I just want to finish on uh maybe a bit of a cliched saying (laughs) um but the idea that you know the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind And if you make changes and people find it threatening, it might be that for a little while that it affects the relationship. But the right people, if they love you and if they care about you, will support you. They will want the best for you. And that might mean a little period of adjustment for them to sort of come to grips with the the new you or the, the, the slightly different you to what they are used to, if you like. But... I just think, you know, my family and my friends, I love them. I want the best for them. You'll probably hear me saying exactly the same thing next week. Sorry about that. But I want the best from them. So I'm prepared to handle a little bit of that discomfort that we can feel when when people change and it unsettles us. I want the best for them. And hopefully the people around you also feel the same, that they are happy for you when you make changes. And the people who do really mind maybe are not the people that you need around you to support you or or maybe don't fit with who you are presenting as, you know, who you are showing to the world. And I think that I look through my life, I have very dear friends and I have some that unfortunately I've lost touch with. And, you know, maybe as we, as we go through life, we grow, we grow apart from people, we grow towards people and uh, maybe if they're just at a different point, they drift away and the people that are around you are the ones who really see you as you are. They really support you. They want you to be the best you. And it might be that if there is someone who is bringing you down, whether it's deliberate or that they're not aware of, maybe it's about thinking about yourself and what you need and maybe taking some space from that person. And hopefully it's just temporary maybe it is a longer term thing if if it is something that's that's bringing you down or is holding you back but I think that's a whole different conversation (laughs) to get into but I just wanted to to share that thought around why it may seem that people aren't being supportive and that yes maybe it could be deliberate but there is also this explanation for for why it might be happening that they're maybe not aware of and so Maybe if you are thinking about your interactions with those people, just being aware of it, then it's not deliberate. So that is it from me for this week. I hope that you have found this conversation about habits and about changes and about people's resistance to them useful. And hopefully there are some takeaways from it. But my big final tip is just to think about, for you, what might be keystone habits and to be honest with yourself. And I think that is just a general top tip <laughs> throughout life 
it can be difficult to do. It can be really hard to actually check in with ourselves and actually listen to what is going on and listen to what we need, especially if it leads to change, which can be difficult or or um, hard choices or any change because I think we're weird creatures, humans, that we like to be safe, but we also like to develop and grow. So we don't like change, but we also want to change. So we have this this kind of, what's the word? <laughs> we have the, just these two conflicting ideas, if you like, staying the same and being safe, developing and growing. And, and I think it is just about managing that change so that it feels at a level that is achievable for you that idea of if you've seen it stretch but not overwhelm so you are challenging yourself and stretching yourself but at an extent that is manageable so be honest be kind to yourself have a fantastic week and I'll be back next week with another Hannah as a guest so have a great week and see you next week So that's everything for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed everything that's been talked about today and we would love to carry on this discussion. So please feel free to tweet us your views, your thoughts, any questions you have for future episodes. Um, And we're on all social media platforms. So feel free to follow us wherever you go for your social media fix. And uh, we will be back next week with more interesting topics and discussions If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with your family and friends or anyone that you think would benefit from it. And please rate and review wherever you've downloaded it from so it can reach more people. We hope you have an awesome week and we're looking forward to chatting to you again next week. Bye.